You're listening to the Pinball Podcast. All right. If this is episode 108 of the Pinball Podcast, it is Sunday, July 9th. Um, today, well, first of all, I'm Jeff, for those who may have forgot. It's been so long since we recorded. Okay, but, wait. I thought we were doing a, an all-baby driver podcast this week. Is that well, not? Should I just go? I can. That just was going to be the surprise, but you ruined it, so there's no point now. So, whatever. Um, baby driver fan number one at AOL.com is co-hosting today. How you doing, baby you driver fan? <laughs> <laughs> I reactivated AOL uh, just so that I could make sure that I claimed that username. Um, I'm mildly upset with you for not seeing the movie, but that's no. okay. We can still make amends. Um, but everyone else should 100% see it and then talk to me about it because it's the best thing. Like I couldn't leave the parking lot of the movie theater without downloading the soundtrack and then listening to it on my way home. I went with two of my bells, Leslie and Holly, and it was the best time. Okay. I'm about to, I'm going to circle back to you because I have a a very important question about Baby Driver and its soundtrack. Okay. After we introduce uh, the man, not the myth, but he is a legend, um, sitting in chair number three, uh, Mr. Joe Zankas. Joe, how's it going? Uh, it's going good. Um, did you see Baby Driver? No, but I've heard all the hype. Okay. That's one step. Yeah, that's about where I'm at. But the question I had, Jessica is a uh, better soundtrack baby driver or sing street baby driver uh-oh i know i know okay but they're really different though so sing street's amazing and has it's a lot original. of right well yeah. i mean they have original songs but they also have non-original songs like there's some hollow notes and other you know duran duran on there and that kind of thing on uh sing street but Baby Driver is just, yeah. Okay, but you have to see the movie first before <laughs> just looking at the soundtrack as a list of songs. I think it's very important. How it fits within that. the narrative, blah, blah, blah. Oh, Edgar Wright is a genius. Okay, I will see it. That's not, that's, so this is how, the way you're being right now is how Don was being about Mad Max. Um Fury Road, the newest one. Oh, he and I were and talking about that because he thought I overhyped Baby Driver the same way that he overhyped Fury okay. Road. Okay. Dang it. So there, now, now you understand. Um, but he sent me the Blu-ray to Mad Max because I dragged my feet so long on it that, yeah, I, I watched it and I enjoyed it very much. I will not wait until this is out on Blu-ray or anything like that. I'll see it in theaters, Okay. Yes, because you know that if you don't, that um, we're getting divorced. Okay. okay. We've, I've been, I, this is my second pinball podcast marriage, and I won't <laughs> go through a third. So, all right. Well, you know who would never divorce us? Nifty LED. I mean, they might. I shouldn't say they never. Might. I wonder yeah. if they've seen Baby Driver. Maybe I need to divorce them. Well, we'll find out. Obviously, they mm -hmm. would have seen it because they're two dudes with tons of free time. <laughs> They've got time. They've got the greatest uh, pinball bulbs, LEDs, 
And they've got, well, what else do they have? I always forget. They, oh, tools. They have tools, right? Is that what you're thinking of? They do have um, tools. Let's see. What else do they have? Oh, they've got balls. They've got balls. That's right. I forgot that one. Yeah. Check them out. NiftyLED.com. Very reasonable shipping rates. Fast. They're kind of like the Jimmy Johns of uh, pinball bulbs. Like the, They get them to you so quickly. It, it kind of weirds you out. Like it, I, I've gotten them the day after I've ordered, and that just doesn't seem right. It's unnatural, but I I thought you were going to say that they're homophobic. That's not right. No, that's not. Let, let, not like Jimmy Johns. Let's not equate. That's not what I meant. Um, I did. They they are popping up everywhere though, and <laughs> they are running Subway right out of the market. When's the last time you saw a Subway LED? Um, yeah, that's what I thought. So anyway, niftyled.com. <clears throat> Check them out. They're swell. They're All right. Swell. So uh, let's uh, let's get into what we've been doing at pinball. Um, Joe, you being the guest, uh, anything notable, fun, or embarrassing over the last couple of weeks or so? No, uh, a lot of three D printing though. Yeah. So people may not know, but you are like the um, the king of white label three D printing in in the mod community, aren't you? <laughs> white label well like a lot of the stuff that other people sell you you've printed out and they've maybe painted or they've stocked and sold and or tweaked or you've built you know the body of the mod and they've injected the led stuff to it but you right. do a lot of stuff for a lot of uh mod makers in the in the hobby don't you that is true yes yeah. actually there's so, a there's a new guy crazy muffin he's doing these uh CRT monitors for Jurassic Park, and he's basically doing like the movie with the silken graphics. Oh, wow. Crazy Muffin? Yeah, do you call him Mr. Muffin or just crazy? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Muffin if you're nasty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so that that's kind of funny. So that sound that you heard, Jessica, that was freaking you out. Sorry, that was <laughs> the sound of Joe printing some high-quality uh, mods for one of those mod makers. But, yeah, um, I really... But, imagine- yeah, it was an interesting noise. <laughs> I really need to build an enclosure. I mean, it's 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 not terribly noisy, but it does get kind of annoying after a while. <laughs> it it it's probably to you a little bit more of a white noise though at this point, isn't it? Yeah. Just um, get one of those get smart cone of silence deals and just yeah, those drop worked it over great the on the show. Yeah, really <laughs> well. Oh, that would be such an awesome retheme. <laughs> that's, a, that, that's a tease to what we're gonna be talking about later but that would be amazing um so joe compared to like even just three or four years ago uh have you just seen like a massive explosion in the demand for mods or has it has it plateaued any or is it still growing um i think a lot more people are getting into it i mean it was you know maybe a couple people and now it seems like everybody's like well i could do that and it's not necessarily people that have 3d printers but a lot of people are getting 3d printers i mean if you go into some of the pinball makers uh forums you'll see people you know be like yeah i have this printer and maybe look at like wolf marsh what he did with space balls all that all so many of those parts in the play field are 3d printed and it's like once you have one it's like 
well, I could just print a ramp. I don't need to go find a vacuum former. So yeah, um, that's that's then the big thing is just that the cost of three D printers have come down um, to where there's that entry level. It, it's almost like an impulse buy um, at this point for some people where you know before to get any sort of decent printing it was it was pretty expensive so yeah it's i think in just the last two years it's dramatically dropped i mean obviously you still need to know how to model stuff because the printer's dumb and it needs code but i mean like i'm looking at this one printer i'm, I'm thinking about getting a second one just because i'm you know this one's printing constantly there's this one called sear 10 and it's 400 hours but it prints a, basically a 12 by 12 by 12 cube which is crazy for that price. And if you look on YouTube, a lot of people are really loving this printer. Yeah. Um, my, my nephew has, I'm not sure what printer he has, but he's made some pretty cool stuff. He's, you know, he's in that phase where he's just trying out all sorts of fun little things. Uh, he's not so much modeling and creating his own stuff, but he's printing out puzzle cubes and things like that. But the quality on the, the print is pretty good. So yeah, I, I may lean on him for, my uh retheme project a bit is you you as well i'm gonna be i'm gonna be annoying that's just okay. know that just going know. to be uh, <laughs> okay <laughs> man you're snippy up there in oregon sorry it's really hot does it bug you when people say oregon i'm not from here so it, it doesn't bother me as much from is that them? perspective as like a native oregonian because when i was in new york like growing up Everyone said it wrong, and I didn't Oregon. know that it was wrong, right? That was a, what everyone said, and I never knew that it would be anything different than that until I came to visit here. And you almost ran out? Uh, I was corrected very quickly. <laughs> it's almost like it. uh, it, it's almost like how a lot of them call Mario Mario there, Super Mario Brothers. I have never heard so, that. Yeah, I think that's more on the... Um, Oh geez, I I don't know what it is, but there where it is in New York because there's so many different accents. But there's a pretty good stronghold of people calling it Mario out there. What? What? I know. How that's do you, how you not feel have an it. Italian relative and know how to say Mario? Hey, like <laughs> exactly. Not, yes. Um, it'd be even worse if they're from Brooklyn doing that. But okay. anyway, some people say Illinois. Uh yeah, that's unless you're trying to sound hip. Which are not. That's the only reason to say it that way. Right? That sounds like a, an underground zine. Right. Pick up at Reckless Records. Uh, that's right. So, uh, the Pronunciation Podcast is brought to you by <laughs> uh, Merriam-Webster. Okay. Mr. So, <laughs> uh, is there anything else you've been up to, Joe, besides mod printing? Or has that been kind of it? Any personal projects? Uh, no. I mean, Back to Future is still sitting, waiting for a ramp. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. That's going to have to happen. There's enough people that want that ramp. I think eventually it'll have to happen. But, yeah, man. I've, uh, tried to remember what game it was. Oh, it was when I had my Jackbot. The upper mini playfield is an exact match to one to the Pinbot one, except for the art is different. And yeah. nobody made the Jackbot one. And um, it's frustrating when there's a single part or thing you need and nobody just makes it. And yeah. lots of people are asking for it. So hopefully that happens because the alternative is someone vacuum forms a small run, I guess, right? 
Right, and I mean, I contact the company. I just don't know if I want to make the investment in it. Yeah, I remember we talked about it a little bit. Um, so I was talking to Ryan Grant. He uh, he was one of the guys that was helping me on the Genie, and um, he's won Best in Show at Pinball Showdown the last two years for the games he's brought out. And he does a lot of uh, project stuff, uh, really great restorations, and he says that he's going to give vacuforming a try. So... I'm going to ask him how that goes. I'm not that deep into custom stuff right now, but um, I definitely have the means to make all that stuff at my dad's place, his his uh, business. Like he's a manufacturer. I could easily make, you know, metal versions of the ramps so that we could vacuum form from there if the actual vacuum forming. Isn't it fairly simple to build the actual vacuum former itself? Um, yeah, I mean... That- I'm conflicted because I watch I've watched tons of videos and you see some videos where like oh you need a storage container and you need all this pressure and then I watch other videos where they're just using a vacuum and as long as you have a good seal and you have enough heat you can pull pretty well and most ramps are only pulling an inch it's only when you're pulling like props and cosplay stuff where you need tons of pressure to pull so I'm kind of yeah. like do I just build one and see and I mean it's Going without there. much investment instructables route <laughs> yeah um i don't know man like like i could easily make a a vacuum chamber out of my dad's place so i might look into that if i get into this whole custom pinball thing a little bit more down the line so yeah, i mean free play does tons of ramps problem is he keeps talking about this larger machine but he's so backlogged with jobs it's like i just can't get to it plus he's got that health issue yeah i understand that too well, hopefully that comes around for you, um, Jessica. Aside from Baby Driver, and now hoping that a Baby Driver pinball machine gets made and um, evangelizing <laughs> Baby Driver, what have you been up to? Um, I got really sick in between oh, yeah. the last time that we spoke and now. Um, I you had were so strep sick. Throat. Yeah, you were so sick it was even gross to chat with you through Facebook. So thanks, yeah. thanks. Yeah, felt really good. Um, no, I had strep throat and basically wanted to die. What am I hearing? <laughs> that was no, don't worry about. It. Um, um, well, I'm glad you didn't die despite your wishes. But keep going. Oh yeah, just my ears hurt so bad, like I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do anything. So then I got to go on antibiotics that made me super nauseous all the time. So I've been having a really good run of things. Um, I did, however, uh, go out to play pinball with the Borg. Um, we went and had like some delicious Russian food because there's a place in Portland, Kachka, that posted a picture of the strawberry vodka that they made. And I was like, I want that. Um, and we went and they had sold out of it. So we ate a bunch of other things and we're going to just go play at my father's place, which is across the street. Um, but while we were at dinner, my friend Lex sent me like a screen grab off of Facebook from C-Bar, but they got dialed in. They did. I saw their little squeal of excitement. On the uh, yeah. So uh, we hightailed it from Kochka over to C-Bar and just played a whole lot of it. Um, I love it. I love it so much. Um, Eric made the observation that he thought that it was a lot more set up a lot more difficult at C-Bar than it was at um, the Pinball Museum in Seattle, which totally makes sense because when they had it there, it was just sort of like, 
hey, everyone, come check it out. Like, it would be on a show floor, kind of. So I feel like it wasn't um, wasn't quite as steep. And, um, you know, it was just set up more now towards, like, competitive, serious-type play at C-Bar. And I love it. I just, yeah, still so excited about it. Put together a couple good games, a couple of crap games, because that machine is so punishing um, and unforgiving at times. So... No, but it was wonderful, and I love that it's there, and Quarter World just posted that they got one as well, so hopefully we'll see some more pop up in town, but I was so happy to see it there, um, and it was like a nice surprise, because I wasn't expecting it to be there yet. So yes. we did that. So I was going to say, as far as the shallow um, setup, that's been a pretty common thing with uh, dial-ins that are out there. So one thing that they do with dial-in, I think this is actually really smart, is if all four of the leg levelers are all the way in, um, the game is at a six and a half degree pitch. So they actually manufactured it, so that's kind of the default. And you can go steeper from there. Um, I prefer my games to be more around seven degrees, so I'll still raise mine up from there. But um, if the location has any sort of slope that is going towards the back of the play field, it plays super slow um, and floaty. And that's not... That's pretty common with all the JJP games at, at shows, especially when you know they unbox them, they just put the legs on and set them up. Um, but yeah, so I think to combat that a little bit on Dialed In, they made the default 6.5 degrees, which is kind of the pinball standard. I think we've grown to like things a little bit steeper these days, though, because games just are expected to play faster. So that's probably what's going on there um, with the between the two that you played. Yeah, we had um, the place we were going to go play, my father's place, um, used to be known as my floaty place because those games were all so floaty and slow. Um, but a new operator took over that location and just posted a picture. It was Quarter World. My friend Drew posted a picture of the back legs of all the games up on 2 by 4s So <laughs> yeah. it has gone the complete opposite direction there, which is awesome. I love it. Yep. Yeah, and that's that's also the why they uh, dialed in is that you don't have to get the legs on a two by four to get your pitch steep. So if it's default at six point five, um, you don't have to race it a whole lot before it's gonna be played real fast. So. Yeah. Um, other cool. than that, I've been playing a lot of pinball at home, which is good. Um, except I had like one weekend where it was a million degrees here, and I wanted to do nothing except stand in front of the fan and maybe. Uh, push some buttons and flip some flippers and <laughs> all of my games died. Like everything broke. I think I sent you like a video, like I was talking like videotaping. Yeah. I'm like, Oh my God, what is happening right now? So theater was doing all these random trunk hits, which I adjusted the Eddie sensor. So that kind of stopped, but it was also causing it to do other weird things. So like it would just end your ball while you were playing or it would kick another ball out into the trunk. I'm just like, why would this be related to the trunk switch? But once I adjusted the eddy board for the trunk, everything seems to be fine. Um, and then Stars is doing this weird thing where the ball doesn't make it all the way out of the trough into the shooter lane. And it's not every time. It's just some of the time. So it's just like, ka-chunk, ka-chunk, ka-chunk. It never gets there. And I just sit there and I'm like okay, I have to turn this off now or I'm going to lose my mind because it was also 100 degrees here and I do not do well uh, under such conditions. And now Sea Witch, the 
drop targets. When you knock them down, they don't come back up. So literally, if I start a game of Sea Witch now, I have two banks of targets that are stuck down. If I start a game, the score just starts rolling without me ever plunging the ball. So, so Yeah. So that one will help you troubleshoot later because I had um, Genie doing that when I first got it out to Denver and uh, got that fixed. But yeah. uh, it's it's days like these in the hot part of the summer when you kind of wish that all toppers were the whirlwind topper. <laughs> yes, please. I already I wish that. Like, I overheat so badly. Like, I'm premenopausal or something. I don't know what it is. But I'm always hot. And playing pinball, like, it could be cool when I walk into a room, I play two games and I'm pouring sweat. It's gross. Just playing uh, with intensity. It's cool. Right, right. And I had, I sent you a text this morning. I had Grand Finale lit on theater for the first time, which I know I've had the game for a while, but I started to adjust how I'm playing it because before I was going for like advanced clock and score extra balls and bonus and just spell theater forever. So I was like, well, I'm just, I'm going to try to go for illusions this time and see what happens. And it was literally the first time I'd played it that way. And I lit Grand Finale and then bricked it and drained. And I was... yep. It's the very first time you ever light your wizard mode, you fail. Or you start the, miser- the wizard mode and immediately drain out. It's just the yeah. first time. Yeah. It just it just goes that way. So don't it was a heartbreaker. But... And, oh my gosh, I know that people are going to be laughing at me. But um, my friend Daniel came over and we were playing um, theater and stars last night and he, I saw him like setting up, you know, when he go before he even plunges tapping the left flipper. And I was like, I was like the skill shots like on the screen. No, I did not realize that before you plunge your ball, if you do start illusion, you can select what illusion you want to start before your ball starts. And I was like, how did I never know this? Like, I knew it switched between them with switch hits, but I didn't know it was something you could set up ahead of time. Kind of like uh, Junkyard. Was I playing Junkyard? Oh, I was playing Junkyard with Drew. Um, He got married, and um, his wedding was, like, on a Friday afternoon when I was at work, and I felt so bad I couldn't go. Um, So we just went out and played some pinball in advance of his nuptials, and he wanted to play (laughs) Junkyard, so we went and did that and played Lord of the Rings because those are the two games that this little spot had. I was having the most killer game of Lord of the Rings and it kept being like, okay, destroy the ring. And then I would shoot the ring shot and then it would be like, well, here's your ball back. And I'm like, wait, what? And then it would just keep saying, destroy the ring. I, for five minutes, hit that shot over and over and over again while Drew's calling the operator <laughs> to leave them a message. I'm like, okay, this is, this is ridiculous. And at one point I just drained because I'm like, it's a, du- it's doing nothing right for me uh, and everything else. You can't make progress towards anything else at that point. So, it's pretty frustrating when the ring, the destroy the ring feature doesn't work. Um, was it at least grabbing the pinball when you shoot it or it would just like hold it for a second and drop it? Um, it went all the way through and then came back on that little windy trail thing. Oh, okay. So it wasn't ever. Yeah. Yeah. There's two switches in there. Um, if one's oh, not I working heard. right, the destroy <laughs> thing is working and it, and it sucks. Cause that's such a cool mini wizard mode. So 
Yeah, well, and it's weird because other modes, it was counting rig shots. Yep, it's it the second switch just for just destroy the ring. This one, so that yeah. was, yeah, Annoying. that was infuriating. <laughs> um, yeah, so my games were busted. It got to play dialed in. Um, do we want to talk about like future things that we're doing, or we want to do that later? Um, let's wait because we might have some time. If not then uh, I don't have to... See, the thing is that I have to be held to things that I say I'm going to do. That's that's the danger. In that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Okay. I don't know. Sounds like everything's broken. Route's broken. House is broken. But it'll be fine, I promise. Okay, just remind me I need to talk about things later. I will. Okay. I'm so good at remembering stuff. Right? What have you yeah. been doing... Well, I spent um, a week up in Yellowstone where there was no pinball. There was no electricity at all, actually. Um, zero cell phone coverage. And so uh, about half that time that we weren't recording, I was totally just out of it. But um, the day after I got back from Yellowstone, we loaded in for the Salt Lake Gaming Con um, a bunch of pinball machines. The local league supported that. And we ran a bunch of tournaments. Um, we had a team tournament, a, a kids tournament, um, a critical strike tournament, an open tournament. Oh, we just did a whole bunch of different things. And we, um, our league took out 24 machines. And they were just packed for the two days that it went on. And it was pretty cool. There was a lot of people who were coming up because the tournament was free entry. And we had cash prizes for it. So... We had well over 100 entrants into that tournament. That was a lot of fun. Um, nice. We had some people in from out of state, including including Bowen. Uh, Bowen is out here for a conference. He's up in Park City, and he came down um, and played in the tournaments. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, I finished second in the Lord of the Slings tournament against, um, well, Bowen took me out at the end. But that, we played a three-strike critical hit tournament. And the second-to-last match was hilarious. So uh, the, there was three of us left. There was me, um, Bowen, and Eric is the guy's name. He's a, he, he, When he was living in Louisiana, he was their state champion. Mm. He's a fantastic player. And the three of us were on laser ball. And... Um, we went in, and I had two strikes on me. Eric had two strikes. So we knew one of us was taking a walk unless we both beat Bowen, which was unlikely. Um, but, uh, yeah, we we got on it, and uh, it was tight. And I uh, ended up winning, and Eric plays a card that let him completely replay his his game again. So he had another shot to beat me. So he plays it and he comes up short and he gives me the handshake and everything. And then Bowen yells out, not so fast. He has a card that allows someone in the group to get an extra ball and add that to their what? score. And he hands it to Eric and Eric played it again. And then he just barely fell short. So I had to watch him play seven balls. Um, oh my God. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I got, I got through though and it was great. Um, and then we went to the finals. We were playing on my personal ACDC machine. And, uh, yeah, it was a, <laughs> yeah, but it's never convenient to have to play Bowen in the finals 
and anyway, but I, I got ahead, went ahead and I got to take him, um, to that. And, uh, I was down about 20 million or so going into ball three and I actually felt pretty good about it. Um, I did what I was supposed to do. I'd played my first two multi balls and tour, um, was the last one. So I picked war machine. I started hammering on, uh, orbits and then I lost control. It hit a sling and it pirate drained and I lost. So if you hadn't suggested the song for the beginning, it was going to be Beck's loser. So (laughs) that's how things were going to start. But no, no second place, um, to Bowen is not losing at anything. You did a great job. I know. I actually felt pretty good about it and it was a marathon because I was scorekeeping as well. And I was on my feet from little before nine in the morning till 11 o'clock at night. And by the end of that, we were all just exhausted and tired, but it was a lot of fun. Um, like I said, we had hundreds of people playing the games. Uh, they, they were getting played nonstop. There was never a time when they were just open. Um, even after the con ended, because we still had the tournament running, they let us finish out the tournament. People were coming over and playing the machines. They just let them keep playing. So that was cool. Um, other than that, still waiting for Dialed In. Uh, apparently that's getting very close. Um, I, I actually had to push myself back a little bit because I was afraid that mine would get ready to ship while I was in Yellowstone and I'd have no way of talking to my distributor. So I, I emailed him about getting pushed back a little bit. Um, so that was, that was cool. That was fine. Um, I can't think of much else that's happened. Like I said, just been gone. So I just haven't had the opportunity, but feels good to get back and get plugged in. Um, not much happened in the world of pinball during that week. I was gone, but, uh, I got back, and that was the same day I got back that the new Star Wars videos um, shown the the Dead Flip stream. Yeah, I haven't we'll talk- watched any of it yet. Have you? Okay. Yeah, I watched all of it. Um, we'll talk about it a little more in just a minute. But uh, did we cover everything? What everyone's doing? I, I it wasn't a whole lot for me just because I've been gone, and um, pretty much yeah. everything was just con. But yeah. Um- I'm really, really quick going to run through the things that I was going to say later. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm just saying I'm not going to say because I don't want to have to hold myself to anything. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I also played some pinball with my friend Mindy. She, I haven't seen her in a long time. I've been kind of Bells focused. Um, and one of my Bells, Meg, she's awesome. She, I talked about her um, when we went over like the Tacoma recap she made the semifinal round with me for women's at Tacoma, um, in her first like big, big tournament. So she's been killing it lately. Um, but she and I are starting a new thing in Portland. Um, our first event is next month. So we've been doing a lot of pre-planning, but we are starting a monthly women's tournament in Portland, um, called battle of the bells. And it's going to be um, a best of three, two strike elimination style tournament. Um, So kind of like Pin Pin in Vegas, which we both really, really love. Um, And we have six different locations that we're going to cycle through in town. Um, So our first one is August 9th. It's every second Wednesday. So it's an off week for bells and chimes. Um, But it's a Wednesday. So, you know, the women know like, okay, Wednesdays, we usually do bells twice a month. So now it's just one more kind of 
um, thing on a Wednesday. So our first one is going to be at Quarter World. And then we're cycling through um, so six locations. And we're going to hit each one twice a year. So um, Quarter World, Ground Control, C-Bar, Blackbird, Scoreboard, and Pinball Outreach Project. So they're all spots that have at least 10 games in them. So the format that we're doing where people get to choose their game and they switch games every every time. So in a round, you don't just play the same machine over and over again, best of three. The loser of the first game picks the next machine. So um, cool. super excited for that. Battle of the Bells, which starts next month. Um, I'm going to my very first Seattle Pinball League match this weekend. Next weekend. Next weekend from today. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Days are running together. They are. Yeah. So a week from today, time of recording, uh, will be my first Seattle Pinball League, which is at my friend Jeff's house up in Seattle. So um, I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to do another one next month, I think, um, at Todd McCullough's house. So I'm really excited to get up there for some of these events. And it's nice to head up there and see Katie and go to Flip Flip. Flip Flip also has a dialed in, like I'm covered on all ends. So uh, I get to hang out with everyone up there, which is super excited. Uh, Super exciting. I'm super excited. Wow. Okay. Um, (laughs) And then after that, I go to New York in advance of going to Pittsburgh. (laughs) So it's this month is kind of crazy for me, but um, yes, I'm going to be in New York and hang out with my mom. I think we're going to go to the silver ball museum in Jersey, Um, probably meet up with Steve Bowden and play some games and yeah, just meet up with some other, pinball people there if anyone is in new york or jersey and wants to play when i'm there hit me up canada <laughs> gonna go play oh. <laughs> um yeah and then you know there's this little thing called pinberg that's happening yeah it's just a little thing that they happen to put on you know once a year oh my people. god you guys i'm so excited <laughs> <laughs> i've been waiting a year well oh. You couldn't have waited any longer because it is every year. So. <laughs> <laughs> I am happy for you, though. I'm I I have an offer to stay in a room there. Um, Do it. I just don't think I'm. I just don't think I'm able to make it happen. If I'm able to travel this month, it'll probably be California Extreme because that is a Saturday Sunday show, and I wouldn't have to take off any work. But I just took off a ton of work. So. But. But it's Pinburg. I know. Like I know. I don't. I don't have to say anything else. It's Pinberg. I know. That's that's don't, the one. Don't guilt me, woman. So I will guilt you. I know, and you have. So yeah, that's what I'm here for. It, anyway, I'm extremely jealous of your upcoming travels. Um, not that you know. I mean, Yellowstone was fantastic. It's just it wasn't pinball related in the least. So, so. yeah, that's a tough one. But I don't know. Uh, I I'll try to make stuff happen. I just like I said, I'm afraid to commit to anything right now because the amount of time I've taken off. So, speaking of things you're not committing to, <laughs> what the do bit? You want, do you want to talk about your project? I 
We'll talk about it, and I'm totally committed to it. <laughs> I just haven't been in my house, which is a key element to, mm-hmm. to doing this. All right. Um, but, uh, yeah, so let's get through the awesome news first, and then you can guilt trip me. Okay. Um, so there hasn't, been a whole bo- there hasn't been a whole lot of news, actually, but there's a few things that I did want to kind of shout out and mention. Um, one, uh, Ryan Claytor, the talented artist that did the 100th episode posters and t-shirts as well as a bunch of other art in the pinball world like the pin side shirt and um you've 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 probably seen his stuff he hosts a podcast the um oh boy i don't want to get it wrong michigan state hold on let me i i I don't want to apologize um hold on hold on because I know I'll say it wrong. It's it's just something I don't want to do. So on his podcast, he interviewed David Thiel, who does and has done sound for pinball for a very long time. And his most recent work is obviously in Dialed In. Um, so he just recently spoke at Pintastic about you know the importance of sound and um, sound design in pinball. But Ryan had him on his podcast to talk about stuff um, as well. So I will put a link to that specific episode, but you can always check out writers, uh, Ryan's stuff at elephant eater comics, which is elephanteater.com. Um, so the actual podcast name is the Michigan state university comic art and graphic novel podcast. So it's a mouthful. It is. Ep- episode 10 is the David Thiel episode, but I'll get a direct link to that. Uh, check it out. It's good stuff. Um, we like Ryan. We do. So I wasn't um, arguing with you. I know. I'm just <laughs> being sincere. Uh, the rest of the news is pretty much podcast-focused as well. Uh, well, the majority of it anyway. So the the other podcast that's out there that some people, a few people, I guess, listen to uh, this flipping podcast, uh, hosted by Taylor and Tommy, that they've hit their 50th episode, um, and just kind of want to give them a shout out and congratulations to that. Uh, for well over a week now, Don and I have talked about recording something for them, which we haven't done. So if it doesn't happen, let I just like them to know that the intent was mildly there for a while. Um, we did try and do it while I was in. Um, Yellowstone, but uh, I drove out to West Yellowstone and just network bandwidth wasn't enough to make it happen. So, sorry guys, but congratulations. It's a great podcast. If you haven't listened to it, check it out. Um, Taylor's the grumpy one. Tommy's the one that sounds like he's baked, but he's not. So, moving on. Oh boy. Last bit of podcast news, Coast to Coast Pinball is back. Since we last recorded, he's released two new episodes, and it's back. Like, it's happening. Nate Shivers is back into the normal swing of things, apparently. So, um, if you, for some reason, had stopped subscribing to his feed because it hadn't been updating, hop back on it. It's a great show. Um, it's always cool to get Nate's view on things, and... He is now living in Amsterdam, so that might provide a little bit of a different uh, color to his show. So check it out. Uh, he's back. So 
Anything about any of those three shows you guys wanted to throw out there? Um, I still need to get my stars functioning so that I can actually try to take Taylor out in our stars challenge. I think you need to beat him. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it was pretty bad timing. I was like, cool, I'm not going out for a while. I can just do this while I'm at, oh, it's not working. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, we'll see. And maybe before you guys finish that challenge, I can actually get my stream set up. And I'd only be six months late from the <laughs> challenge that me and I had going on. So, But he already beat you in that challenge. I know. I'm just, yeah, whatever. By that point, by the time you guys finish your challenge, I'll have set my stream up. I'll have bought a stars and I'll beat the both of you. So how about that? All right. It's on. I did roll fireball at, uh, at the uh, con last night. That was pretty cool. Nice. Um, yeah, I scored 179,000 on Fireball, which is quite the score for that game, if I do say so. Um, moving on with news, um, Alien production is apparently still happening. Uh, Highway Pinball released a picture from the factory showing a bunch of more games being built. They said the picture was from Friday. They gave an update saying that for those that are seeking refunds, they're trying to make that happen. Um, it was kind of funny. It said something about for everyone who's requested refunds, we think we've reached out to all of you. Uh, it's kind of a weird way of putting it, but it's kind of like an admission that they've been bad at getting back to people, but they still have intention of you know, making everybody happy um, and just hoping that people hang in. I don't know. We'll see if they can get that together, but... Uh, Matt from Back Alley Creations posted a picture of a bunch of uh, completed eggs, uh, alien eggs, to ship over to Highway. So they're still working with their vendors. They're still assembling games. Maybe it'll just be this constant slow trickle of games coming out. Um, who knows? But at least that's something. I'm sure it's not what anybody wants. For those that are still hanging in, they'd probably wish things are happening faster. For those that want refunds, they're probably wishing that was happening faster. But... Um, at least they haven't just gone and ghosted, you know, the, the community or anything. So hopefully that gets turned around. Um, it would be nice if they could make it work out and they made it work out enough to where everybody invested was made whole and that they somehow had enough to move forward with projects beyond this one. Cause more manufacturers would be great. Um, and more reliable manufacturers would be even better. So it's good that they're um, opening communication. I know it may not be. Yeah exactly picture perfect what people were hoping for but at least they're not silent through everything that's happening right right and uh they're not hiding behind like uh releases through another party like a lawyer or a spokesman or something like that so that's good <laughs> um other news dutch pinball uh released another one of their newsletters and it sounds like they're still trying to do work and, you know, make things happen behind the scenes, but their primary issue still comes down to funding and money. So uh, they found a new contract manufacturer, someone who can build the games for them, but that still does nothing for the games that are locked up at ARA already. Plus their cash flow situation kind of prevents them from just getting things going. So I don't know. I think that's going to be a continued long and drawn out story for those uh, those games coming out of Dutch Pinball, but 
I, I don't know about you guys. Have you have either of you guys played um, the Big Lebowski? Yeah. You played it. Have you played it, Joe? Yeah, I played it at Expo, and then um, for a while Terry had it because they were doing the programming and they didn't want to ship it back and forth. That's right. I remember you saying that. What'd you guys think of it? Like, I thought the layout was great, but I thought the rules were very basic. Um, like, I, there's potential there. I obviously they're not going to sink a lot of time into releasing new code updates to it now until they know things are going to move forward. But what were your thoughts on it? Uh, Joe, do you wanna... I mean, yeah, I mean, it played great. The The rules are very thin. I know at, I, I know the very first time when it was shown at, well, it's shown at both Expo and uh, Terry's Pinball Expo, um, that they constantly had problems where, like, when you hit the car, the, the thing would reset. It was just some bad code. They fixed that. But then I think the last time I played at Expo, they were constantly having problems with the bowler either locking the, the machine up or the ball would just get stuck. Yeah. It has, it has, uh, it's still rough around the edges, that's for sure. Hmm. Um, what was your experience with it, Jessica? Um, I think I talked a little bit about it. So I played it at a few shows. Um, the first time I actually got to play it was at Pinburg last year, and Steve Bowden and I were walking around, and um, there was no one over there, so we went and played. And just watching him play, like, it was exciting to see things, like, because it's obviously a brand new machine, right? Everything's exciting. Um, but there was a bunch of stuff that didn't necessarily work at that point. And then I played it again up at uh, the Vancouver Flip Out when I went up to Canada. And it definitely felt more developed than it had at Pinburg. Um, you know, the rug was working and those sorts of elements that were kind of missing the first time around were moving and shaking and doing the things they're supposed to be doing. Um, but again, like I played two games on it there. So then they got it at quarter worlds here in town and it was, you know, big deal when they got it and put it out, but they had to have a text stand near the machine the whole time because <laughs> there were so many problems with like the upkicker or like the, the coding, like all of a sudden it would just, no balls would come out from anywhere and you're just like how long is this and it would never ball search uh, balls were getting stuck all the time when they were supposed to be kicking out other places and um, I felt like for being there for a few hours and a night trying to play it maybe out of two or three hours I had 30 minutes of actual like gameplay that didn't just stop so it felt like something I wanted to play more but I was just getting really frustrated with it and I can tell that they were too. So it's a shame. I feel like it could be a fun game. Some of the shots were really nice. Yeah, I enjoyed the layout. So I didn't get a chance to play it until Texas Pinball Festival um, this year. So obviously it was on its latest code and all that. But um, I thought the layout was really fun to shoot. I just was not super jazzed about the state of the code. Um, it was kind of just your standard hit this X number of times to start this mode or that multiball and then uh, hit it X number of times to finish or complete or whatever. So uh, it, it just kind of looks like your typical early code game, but I, yeah, it's obviously they've got a good uh, eye for layouts there and design, but it's just not done, but I don't know. We'll see what happens with them going forward, but Ah, uh, I'd like to be more optimistic on it 
than I am, but it's just it's just hard to be at this point. But hopefully they pull it together at some point. <laughs> so. Yeah, totally. Well, uh, let's see. Oh yeah, duh. The, I mentioned it earlier, and it was probably the real biggest news piece was the Star Wars Dead Flip stream. So Jack Danger was able to set up at the Stern factory, and they played Star Wars Pro for a little over an hour, actually. And uh, I think they said the code version on it was 0.8. So still not 1.0 code, but uh, it looked fairly complete. They did run into some bugs and some issues. But uh, watching the game, I know, Jessica, you said you haven't seen that stream yet. And you saw a bit of it, didn't you, Joe? Yeah. Yeah. So look, looking at it, gameplay super fast. Um, Code-wise, it looks to be... Similar to Game of Thrones as far as, like, instead of picking your house, you're picking your character. Um, and it, it changes the path you need to do to get to certain, like, wizard modes in the game and stuff. Um, but it plays... I mean, Game of Thrones plays fast, but this looks to play even faster. So it's like Iron Man crossed with Game of Thrones um, or something like that. But uh, what did you think about when you watched it, Joe? Did it interest you or...? Well... <laughs> Obviously, early thoughts were, well, this looks like an ACDC layout, and watching them play, it it still feels that way, unfortunately. But, I mean, I don't know. I know some people say, well, there's only so many things to do with layout, but it just feels so much like that. I mean, replace the bell with with the the ship. But at the same time, I I think they implemented, implemented the theme really well, and you know they've got that LCD with the targets that kind of, make stuff blow up so that's kind of cool yeah yeah um so i i there was a a mix of um i i would say excitement and disappointment from me uh the disappointment didn't run super deep i was like kind of kind of feeling like it didn't aside from like the images that were being shown those were distinctly Star Wars, obviously, TIE Fighters and characters and the clips stuff. But it didn't seem to be integrated in a way that felt like Star Wars. I don't know how to put that into words, but um, I just didn't feel like uh, the speed of it was right. Star Wars is actually pretty um, evenly paced uh, of, a, of a franchise. Like, it's not hyper-fast, uh, go, go, go. And, and the game being that way seemed a little bit crazy. And it reflected on the screen when you had so many things trying to play and happen that they were just stacking one on top of the other. You'd have uh, a scene where they're in the snow world of Hoth, but there would be a Star Destroyer on the screen at the same time and a TIE fighter. It's like, what is going on here? Like, it just looked crazy and it looked messy. Um, Almost like the theme couldn't keep up with the layout, if that makes any sense. I I don't know how to say it, but... um, so that looked a little bit messy and weird to me, but it looked fun. Um, I mean, I love ACDC. It's probably my favorite Steve Ritchie game. Uh, probably still my favorite Stern game. But like you, I don't I don't know. Did we need a retread there? Um, it looks to play much faster, but um, the shots seem to be very similar. Um, the, the mini LCD screen is kind of like the TNT targets, uh, except for that they're not drops now, so it plays faster off that. Uh, the code's something that, at at first glance, I think it's got a long ways to go as far as being more balanced. 
Um, it looks like you grind out to get your multipliers up, and then you just blow the game up in a very short period of time, and then you go back to grinding to get your multipliers up. I, I don't know how that's going to be, um, but I hope it's leveled out a little bit more. Um, it's going to be tough to, to say till I play it, but uh, Jessica, get it, if you get a chance, um, watch it. But what I would recommend is watching the early part of the stream when they first start playing, and then... Um, if you don't have time to watch the whole stream, maybe like, like watch the last 20 minutes or so. Because in the middle, uh, one of the Stern employees just absolutely dominates the game for like a solid, <laughs> what is it, half hour, 45 minutes. Um, and there's there's a bug that happens that keeps extending his multiball. So it, it's oh, kind of, it, right. it, makes, it just makes it look like this crazy long player. Um, I think it kind of paints the game in the wrong light. Uh, if you're interested, watch the whole thing. Um, but I think, you know, you and I are pretty big Star Wars fans. So we're hoping this game is going to be awesome, right? Um, we're hoping. We're hoping. Um, I don't know. I, I have a hard time judging a game until I play it. But I it, it looks it looks fine. That's what I'll say, That's what I'll say at this point. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. At one point, Star Wars would have been a blind buy for me. I just wouldn't have cared. I would just have bought it and taken that chance. But stuff has changed, though. Yeah. I just hope it's I hope it's great. Um, I, I really want to see how the premium plays with the extras on there, but they showed the pro. So check it out. It's on Dead Flip. Um, he's got it archived back to his uh, Dead Flip channel, and he also has a YouTube version up. So it's definitely worth checking out. Oh, the other weird thing. Sorry, I, I don't mean to nitpick. It's just um, <laughs> it's when just the we well, just when the layouts uh, something that's very familiar. There's not a lot to say at that point, but they keep restarting the uh, main Star Wars theme every time it drops out of a mode or a hurry up. So when you plunge the ball, it plays the main theme. Everybody loves that song, you know, music or whatever. But then you'll start a quick hurry up. The last five to ten seconds, and then it starts the theme over. Then you might get into a mode, and that lasts for another minute or so, and then it starts the theme over. And it oh. it started to actually drive me crazy to hear that. I That's one thing I never want to have happen with the Star Wars theme, because I love it. It's like my childhood. So that's something I hope they are going to vary a little bit more. Um, that would have drove me nuts on Ghostbusters if it had played the Ghostbusters theme nonstop. Um, <laughs> the nice thing about Ghostbusters is... Uh, it played it until you started something, and that was kind of the last you heard of it. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens with that. I'm sure there's more sounds to be mixed in. The spinner sounds fantastic. That's one of the coolest things. Um, they just need to clean up a lot of the on-screen stuff because it gets so crazy. Um, it's obvious that Stern's still learning the whole 3D modeling and, and stuff because... Uh, some of it looks really goofy. It looks kind of like a Flash-based game almost. The TIE Fighters all have the exact same explosion. They kind of wiggle back and forth when they're on screen, which is really weird. They don't they don't wiggle in the movies. Um, and a lot of the animations are almost just like a sliding static image, like Boba Fett's ship when it goes across the um, screen. It just looks like it's just kind of sliding across whatever's there. Um, Wait, whose ship? Did you want me to say Boba Fett or Boba Fett? <laughs> I thought you had said Baba, and I was like, hold on. <laughs> okay. I don't know how you want me to say it, but I will say it however you want me to say it. One Isn't of, it one Boba of our, Fett? 
Why well, would you say Boba Fett? Because it's pronounced both ways in the movie. So I, I mix it up personally. But <laughs> it, it's controversial because Han Solo or Han Solo. Um, <laughs> see, that's said both ways in the movie too. Um, at one point he says Boba Fett, but at other points they say Boba Fett. So who? It's a, it's a fight, and it's not one I'm willing to have because I think both are correct. Someone Based from on. Oregon would say Boba Fett is my uh, my thought on that. Yeah. The problem is that there's two Bs. That's why it confuses people. Hmm. Well, speaking right. of sounds, remember when Mustang first came out? They had, like, horse whinnies, and everybody hated it. And, like, the very next version of the code, they took that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was brutal. Um so I don't know. Like I think they may just have be, been using the main theme as a little bit of a placeholder. But uh, Jerry Thompson, who does music and stuff for uh, Stern, he's fantastic. So I I don't know. I'm, I'm sure they'll figure it out. Again, though, check that spinner sound. Um, I love a good spinner sound, and that one has a has a really good one. Nice. I don't know if it's a Star Wars sounding thing, but it's a retro sounding one. Like it sounds like something that belongs in a '70s theme. So. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, visually on the screen, they just need to clean a lot of stuff up. There's a lot of stuff that just feels off theme. Um, but the game looks like it shoots really well. It's crazy fast. I'm excited to try it. Sweet. Maybe if I get out to Pittsburgh, right? Maybe. It'll be there. It'll be at California Extreme as well. So you have to make that trip. Right. But Pittsburgh. Okay. But, anyway. So, right. Um, I think that's it for news. Uh, we're going to we're gonna bore you a little bit here. Just No, nah, it's going to be boring, Jessica. It's going to be great. Um, but <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about me for a while. Oh, but, uh, fine. No, it's, it's not about me. It's just that I've mentioned on the show I'm going to be doing that custom retheme of the Hollywood Heat into Metroid. And... There's a lot of ways to go about retheming or doing a scratch build in pinball. And Joe's really knowledgeable about this stuff. So um, he's got a list of stuff that people have done. Um, some some rethemes that are really well known. Um, if we know, like if we talk about spooky pinball, they kind of got into this whole idea of building pinball by doing a custom one. I'm not going to say I'm going to be a pinball manufacturer one day. That's never going to happen. But I... That, you know, it was just a hobby um, for him to retheme his firepower 2 into a Godzilla. And it turned into this whole crazy adventure that he's on now. Um, so we thought we'd talk a little bit about him in general. Some of the ones that we've seen uh, recently. Some of the, you know, popular old ones. And then um, talk about some of the stuff that goes into a retheme. Because I can't think of anywhere where that's actually been discussed outside of threads for the kind of the real hardcore custom pinball guys so i think it'd be kind of fun to talk out some of that stuff so joe's going to help us out there because i would say all the wrong stuff and he's the smart (laughs) one here but uh let's jump into this so um i know there's a few uh of the older ones joe that you put together a little bit of list that you wanted to mention so um let's hop in uh mention some stuff we'll talk about them and um hopefully we've had a chance to play some of these things yeah so i think one of the more known, at least around here, is uh, the Swords of Fury into Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I think they actually made three of those. Yes. Um, the guy the guy that started it is local here in Chicago. Um, yeah. 
And that's actually been able to travel the U.S. a little bit. I uh, I was able to play it at uh, Texas Pinball Festival. Um, they did a, a fantastic job on that. So, I've never seen the show. I have to be honest with that. But um, even without seeing the show, I could tell it was well done on the retheme. So. I think he's still making improvements not only on code, but I think originally had the original ramp, and then I think FreePlay made some uh, semi-transparent red ones so you could kind of see underneath that you couldn't see before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you had a chance to play that, Jessica, the Buffy? I have not. Okay. You've played Swords of Fury, though, right? I have. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I've seen pictures of Buffy. I had a few friends who got super excited when they saw it, so I received some photos, but I haven't actually (laughs) had a chance to play it. Yeah. Tommy's transported that one. He's he's basically the most prolific pinball mule in the hobby right now. So, (laughs) yeah, he moved one of those. Um, Cool. Um, What are some other ones? So you've got Flash Gordon into Ghostbusters before Stern worked on it. Yeah. Um, that one got me excited, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but by that point, I did know about the Stern one. I felt a little bit bad, um, but he did a fantastic job on that. It was a great retheme. Yeah, he really did. Um, I mean, not only just the artwork, but I think he was one of the first ones to use the uh, the MP3 trigger. Yeah, and we'll talk about what that means in a little bit, but I'm looking at doing that with Hollywood Heat. So, And then, uh, well, as long as we're talking about Hollywood Heat, the uh, guy that did the Goonies re-theme, who's in Florida. Yeah, Michael Johnson did that. And so he sold that, and did that get resold recently? Um, I think it might have been. Yeah, I think it's on its third owner now, so... Um, he actually documented that really well on his blog. Um, he did a good job giving out kind of the steps he did for that. Right. And he helped me with a big, um, shortcut. Uh, he provided me the templates for the play filled, uh, art files. So I have got a true to size print size Photoshop document of the play filled. It's blank, but it has all of the cutouts and all of the inserts Uh, that's going to be a huge help um as i start pulling together art for mine do you send you a flat image or do you keep the layers oh i've got the layers yeah it's it it was an eps file that's good yeah um let's see i mean there's godly genie into ramones that's been around for a while um some of the newer ones so it's it's kind of amazing that somebody would take a Rolling Stones because it's not terribly old and they're not terribly cheap, but somebody's rethemed that into Iron Maiden and there's that guy that did the No Doubt. And one nice thing about doing a Stern, obviously, is because you've got Pinball Browser, not only can you change the sounds out very easily, but you can actually redo the display. Yeah, yeah. If you're good at making dot animation, you can basically retheme a stern into anything and still have like professional looking animations on it right um actually it's not skate ball um somebody took a hot dog in and did a smoking the bandit and i think he used the mp3 trigger sounds yeah i i uh that one that i saw posted just recently on the custom pinball facebook group the that one's in progress still is or it? is it done? No, I, think I don't it's know. Fun. Okay. Yeah, it looked 
like the art at least was done from that point. So, um, there's a guy that's doing a Gottlieb Gladiators into Zelda like they originally intended because they could never get the license. Yeah, um, I'm excited about that one for sure because I considered that, but I think if I ever do Zelda, if I get the courage, I'll do a full <laughs> scratch build on that just because I have a lot of ideas for very on-theme things that I'd like to do with it. But yeah, that would be a very fun pinball machine. A, a, a lot of like collect this to unlock that type of stuff. So it'd be kind of fun, a little adventure um, in pinball, I guess. <laughs> uh, and then the other, the next two, um, these are both... I believe System 11C titles, which can use the pin soundboard, which makes things a lot easier because you don't have to do trickery, basically pop out a board, replace the files, and then you're just doing artwork. So you've got uh, a diner that was turned into Ash vs. Evil Dead, which just showed up at Pentastic this past weekend. And yeah, then, I saw that. And then you've got somebody that's claiming they're going to retheme the roller games into Blues Brothers. Interesting. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I do want to talk to you about um, how they're doing the sound changes for that. Because it, it, basically, the game you pick to retheme puts you down a path of what's viable, or at least what's uh, worth the effort um, for, for changing out sounds or visuals and stuff. So, um, yeah, after we talk about the rest of the stuff that we've seen, I, w- I want to go over that. Yeah, and then later on we'll talk about, um, so if you've got an early Bally Stern solid state, there's that, I think it's Apple Juice that created that board that not only replaced the MPU, but you could basically completely recode it and do sounds. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a huge one. I wish that w- was available for other systems, like, you know, maybe some, whatever, you know, Gottlieb games from the late 80s through early 90s that'd be great right (laughs) (laughs) but that that's an awesome board that he's created there um were there any other ones that were floating around out there that you wanted to mention before we talked about how the people are doing this stuff well i've i've done two projects and it's kind of strange because i didn't actually do the work i did all the artwork for it so um puspar who's he's got this thing called open pinball project he's basically creating these tiny boards that are ran by basically dumb board you could buy at mauser for four bucks and um i mean if you look at p-rock it's really high priced and then you go to fast pinball which is a little bit more reasonable opp basically you can spend less than 100 bucks and a raspberry pi and you've got a complete chore system the only drawback is it's not really I mean, it's gotten a lot better as far as documentation, but the other thing is that you basically have to start your own board, so it's a little bit more of a challenge. But um, so the first one I did, he took a Sharpshooter two, and he kind of we basically redid the artwork, and it's kind of an homage to Roger Sharp. So it's Sharp with an E at the end of it, and then uh, I mean, I basically just kind of went with the theme, but did kind of a photo realistic kind of play field layout and then did kind of a cool um almost like a an old western uh outhouse for the cabinet art cool i when when the uh when hugh was running his kickstarter 
for the Open Pinball Project. I actually donated to that um, at the at the decal level, and yeah. he wrote an article saying this is the truly the most uh, LED decal in existence because I think there's like two or three other people that put in for that. So yeah. it's on my toolbox. <laughs> And then, so the the second one I worked on, um, he converted a Dolly Parton that he picked up for I think literally a hundred dollars, and that became Van Halen, which also showed up in Fantastic this weekend. Um, but this one, I I had to do not only sound, I did playfield art, plastics, cabinet, back glass, um, the digital artwork. Uh, I did custom uh, pop bumper caps with the Van Halen logo on it. Uh, apron cards, everything pretty much. And then, uh, I don't know if you ever played Dolly Parton, but it's got kind of a lane that kind of dumps it back in the shooter lane. So I 3D printed basically a captive ball to block that out. So it's more of a captive ball, but still use the existing switch. Very cool. Yeah, I need to see how that came together. I saw bits and pieces of it as you were putting it together. Um, right. Parts of it, but, um, have yet to see the, the full machine. So, yeah. Is that considered done now at this point, or is there quite a bit left to do on that? Um, I mean, when he's still here's the thing: like he he redid the boards and he actually completely redid Sharpshooter. And I have a feeling he'll continue to work on Van Halen, but I think he's kind of burned out at this point, so he might take a break. I, I haven't started, and I feel the burnout, so I get it. Yeah. But well, so so yeah, you're you're talking there the open pinball project. Um, smaller boards that can be driven by a Pi. Um, if that that's getting into, if you want to do uh, like reprogramming your games and stuff, right? If you're just looking to do what I'm looking to do, something like a straight uh, just art swap. Um, obviously, you know the whole process of creating art, but um, there's like there's different levels of you can go with that. You can go with existing sounds. Obviously, there you're not doing anything but just changing the art. But if you wanted to change, uh, to put your own speech in or your own music or sound effects, um, what are what are your routes for doing that? So basically, um, like I mentioned earlier, so the, the MP3 trigger was the first board, and a lot of people moved on to the Wave trigger, which adds polyphonic. What that basically means is MP3 trigger can only do one sound at a time, so if it's hitting multiple targets, it's basically got to wait. <clears throat> whereas the wave trigger can do multiple at the same time. And then there's these other boards on Adafruit that are really cheap, but they have less channels. But if you, if you like, say, took a board and just did this bank of targets here and threw another board another bank of targets, then it might actually end up being cheaper. Okay. Um, the biggest thing, you know, with any of these is there's always voltage going through the switches. So in order to do this, in fact, if you look at the Ghostbusters, he did the hard way. He actually kind of hacked his own switch behind the target to get it to hit <clears throat> but the better way is to just take out the existing leaf switch say there's like a stack of two you just add one that has an extra stack in the back and then just connect that because nothing's t attached to it so you're basically switching out a leaf switch so everywhere you have a two it becomes a three and right um yeah, that's probably what I'm doing. And and so, just to be clear, that third switch is the trigger for the sound. So, um, in, in this instance, you're probably, I guess you're just disconnecting the old soundboard entirely and replacing it with this other one that's going to be driving all the 
sounds from that extra switch, right? Yeah, and the other thing is if you've got multiple sound inputs, you've basically got to get a mixer and mix all the channels into the speakers. Okay. Okay. So it's <laughs> it's a lot. I think a lot of people um, are familiar with like Pinmail Browser where you can put your own sounds in, but that's not obviously available for all games out there. This uh, Wave Trigger or MP3 Trigger, if you want to go more simple, you can do that with any machine. Correct. Um, I mean, it's literally just a dumb board that says, I hit the switch, now play this file. And I think by default, it'll just play any file. But then if you want to get into code, which can be done with a basic text editor, um, you could do stuff like fade out and volume control or random is really useful because like if you don't, you don't want it having like hit a switch and it's the same sound over and over. It gets repetitive. You can actually do code. It says, okay, every time you hit the switch out of these 10 sound files, just pick one at random. Yeah. So when I get into that, I mean that to me, I think logically the first thing you do is probably your art and then your sound. And if there are going to be any rule customizations, that's going to come later. But so art, art would probably come first. Um, so let's back up a little bit and talk a bit about art. Uh, we, we touched a little bit when I mentioned that I got uh, some template files for Hollywood Heat. They were in layers on EPS. So just to give a quick quick uh, uh, high-level idea of if someone was – say someone got this project machine, they realized it wasn't going to be worth their time to restore it up to player's condition. So they figure, hey, let's just take the belt sander to this and um, – you know, strip it out. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to retheme it. Um, how do they go about the art process? So, um, I mean, the, the hardest part, obviously, is the play field because the dimensions are so critical. If stuff is off by even, you know, a millimeter, you'll see that really, see it a lot in the inserts because as the light comes through, it'll be off. <coughs> um, I know that when CPR does reproductions, they require to use a crew scanner, scanner, which basically does a single pass. It's, it's used for artwork. Um, there's a lot of vendors in bigger cities that have this scanner that you could basically rent and you spend a hundred hours to have something scanned. But if you don't have that, um, what a lot of people do is they'll get, there's a HP transparent scanner. They don't make them anymore, but you see them on eBay. And what you'll do is you'll scan a bunch of sections with overlap <clears throat> and then uh, pulling it in a Photoshop, and it basically does a photo merge. Now, it's not 100%, and what some people will have to do is actually go physically on the play field and adjust positions of inserts before they start doing the artwork. Okay. So once you get it scanned in and everything aligned properly, you've got your image there. You have to kind of start building layers of uh, out of that image, right? Yeah. I mean... So, I mean, you've got your, your post holes, you've got your uh, lamp holes. Uh, inserts, I usually put at the very bottom layer because all the artwork should kind of go underneath that because, I mean, if you look at most stuff, <coughs> it's kind of wrapped around the, the inserts as art. But sometimes there is uh, art kind of overlapped onto the insert too, so it's kind of you kind of have to mix it a little bit. So as far as software goes, I'm on a PC, so I'll be using uh, Photoshop mostly for that stuff. Um, Illustrator for creating, you know, vector-based artwork. But um, is that what generally people use as Photoshop then? 
Yeah, I wouldn't imagine. Yeah, I mean, basically any any art program that can deal with multiple layers, yeah, will get them what I, they need. Yeah. I mean, some people say, well, you should do it as a vector to get true colors, but there's really no need to do that unless you're intending to do, you know, uh, self screen or something where you have to separate out the colors. Okay, so that's the next part I want to ask about is the print process. So you've gone, you've created the world's greatest um, art layout for your custom Ninja Turtles machine, and um, you've got the Photoshop files of your play filled. How do you go next step of getting that play filled image out of Photoshop and actually onto wood? So actually, even before you do your first uh, print, you really want to do like a black and white test print at like Kinko's for like fifteen dollars. And just make sure everything is lined up where you think it is. Uh, okay. Kind of project a, a lamp underneath to just kind of see it. Are all my inserts lined up? Because really, the inserts the biggest thing. Everything else can kind of just lay where it is. And then once you're you're happy with it, <coughs> um, most people just do a, a vinyl overlay. Uh, there's a couple websites that I've used in the past. There's uh, BannerBuzz.com or just Banners.com, and basically. Playfield overlay will cost you probably about 40 bucks. Um, but the biggest thing you have to make sure of is let's say your playfield some odd size, like 20 and a quarter by 42 and a half. Usually, what you want to do is you want to kind of paste that playfield into like a standard sheet size, so typically like E size, which would be 34 by 44, because the supplier is not going to charge you by the inch. They're going to charge you by the paper size. And what's happened to me is I'll send that out and then they'll scale it up and it won't be one-to-one scale. So, so it's actually white space around it. Basically. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you've got the vinyl overlay, uh, you trim it. And, uh, from there, you know, you, you get it adhered to the playfield service. Do you need to clear coat over that? Yeah, and actually, even before that, you have to. Um, so there's two things. One, most printers won't print white. There are some, but it's really not worth it to go through that process. <clears throat> so what most people do is all the surface area where they're going to have an overlay, they'll paint it white first. Um, okay. And actually, some people like to use kills. It's K L Z. And right. That's that's a sealer, basically. Yeah, right? it's not only a sealer, but it does give you a pretty good prep surface. And then you want to clear coat first, because stickers want to really stick to a nice, clean, smooth surface. If you've got any pores, maybe ask arcade people. They'll tell you never apply side decals to a rough surface. So you definitely want a smooth surface to apply it to. Okay. That's a that's a good time to practice your uh, clear coating as well. Get. Get good at making that glassy surface yeah. before you put that down. So, so then after you've got it applied, you need to clear coat on top of the adhesive. Yeah, or the yeah, yeah, the vinyl. I'd clear coat over that as well because if you don't, you start tightening down those posts, and then all of a sudden the vinyl start kind of twisting. And, yeah. Is it okay. pretty common to do clear coat yourself? Like I, I don't know a lot of people who do it. I know people who are like, oh, I have a guy who I pay to do it. Most body shops will take the work if you don't want to do automotive clear coat. I mean, you just get like a, a bar top, which you know you just kind of pour on there, and it'll self level. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's the I, I've seen people that kind of uh, I don't want to call them B tier, but it's kind of like B tier restorationists. They do the rattle can sprays or yeah. um, even some of the brush on ones, and it you know 
if they've got a good level um, surface to work with, they like you said, it'll level out. But yeah, I, I, I probably personally would probably send mine out to be done, but um, it's definitely feasible to do it yourself. So, okay. So you've got this fantastic playfield art. Um, cabinet obviously is a, is something that you need to consider as well. Um, and then there's always a thing you can create your own stencils for it. Uh, you can use an existing stencil from another game that maybe just like the side art, or you can also have your own printed decals there. What what have you seen to be most common? Uh, direct paint onto it or or decals? It's usually decal. The uh, the Van Halen one was painted with stencils only because it was really easy to do the Frankenstein red, white, and um, red logo. Okay. Um, of course, the other thing you have to think about is all the hardware that's going to go on top of that. So the side rails, the coin door, the buttons, all that stuff's going to get overlapped. Hi, doggy. Hi, doggy. <laughs> is he telling you you forgot something? Maybe. <laughs> Um, yeah, obviously you got to have your, your stuff in place for the coin door and all that thing as well. But, um, there is a little bit of caveats and I think you mentioned it in the stuff that you sent out, but, uh, cabinet art is where you have a lot more leeway. Um, just make sure you account for the stuff that gets covered. But, um, also keep in mind that quite often that's the part of the art that doesn't show. So, um, but with the uh, but the alignment issues and stuff are nowhere near as critical, right? Right. And, I mean, if you even see reproduction stuff, usually there's a little bit of overlap just because if you're slightly off, then it's okay. <clears throat> and, I mean, I don't know if you saw, like, with J-Pop with the Magic Girl cabinets, he actually put the buttonholes and he realized, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that because now it doesn't line up. Yeah. I remember that being an issue with a lot of, uh, you know, Ballad Williams repro stuff where – they would have art that maybe integrated the launcher button for like, you know, fishtails. Um, a lot of the repros, they'd say, okay, well, you can either have the launcher button perfectly circled or you can have the start button, but um, they're not both perfect on this version of this repro or whatever. So, uh, yeah, if you don't if you don't plan for some, you know, bleed around those edges, uh, alignment can get tricky. Okay, so we're done with art. Got the play field. It looks fantastic. Um, obviously, we skipped over custom plastics. That's something that, um, you know, to create your art on that, uh, do, you, do you know who to go to for having plastics cut or for art on those? So, um, actually, I should mention, uh, if you haven't gone there already, I, I think I mentioned this, uh, pinballmakers.com. There's a lot of information on there as far as fabricating almost anything i mean even wire form ramps but uh basically petg is a very tough yet very easily cuttable plastic uh it's much better than acrylic and basically if you get 16th inch of this material you could literally cut it with a decent pair of scissors um basically all you have to do is print out what you need on photo paper and there's this 3m spray adhesive you spray it on both surfaces let it dry for 15 minutes and then just apply it let it fully dry and then you just cut out your shape um you do want to make sure you include uh reference points to all your uh drill holes for mounting though and uh it, it works pretty good i mean i started my custom theme and i kind of experimented and it's worked pretty well okay um so that's pretty pretty easy itself then if you can cut it. 
So you're you're even saying you don't need like a jigsaw to do that then. You can A jigsaw would definitely help, but I mean it depends on how complicated the shapes are, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's more simple than I would have thought, but uh <laughs> that's great. <laughs> okay. Everything's in the now comes the what I would consider the tough part, the customization of the sound and music. So we kind of touched on that earlier with this trigger and the extra um, switch, but there are a few systems like Pinball Browser out there that it's pretty much just plug and play. You you overwrite existing sound files with your custom sound files, and it's that easy, right? Right. Um, so outside of those options, um, you know, Pinball Browser or the Wave Trigger, is there anything else that people get into, or is that just pretty much the dominant couple of methods? Um, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, I haven't seen anything else out there other than completely replacing the MPU. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. It seems like a madman's errand to <laughs> go outside of those two and both seem to work so well. But Cool. All right. So we've got sound. We've got art. Um, what, what are the other things to consider there that you've got? Um, well, since you're bypassing the soundboard on the pinball, you need an amplifier. So, um, what Spooky is used, and I, I'm imagining they're still using this, there's this cheap Chinese, uh, amplifier called Aleppi. I mean, it's, it's on Amazon. It's like $25. It's actually a pretty decent amp, but there's actually a new one that has this new chip called a TPA3116, and it just has way cleaner sound, and you could actually get bass through... Uh, some like tiny bookshelf speakers. I just bought one and it's actually really impressive. And it's uh, it's only like seventeen dollars. But the only drawback is it doesn't have a case. But if you're putting it inside a pinball, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, pinball's big giant case yeah. itself. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, so audio, uh, so sa- sampling audio, it's kind of just up to you. You're either creating your own stuff, or you're going out and you're trying to find the cleanest versions possible. Um, with re-themes, obviously, you have things to work with. Um, but I, I guess the idea on that is how good does your audio quality need to be? Because I, I know with a pinball machine and, and the speakers you're dealing with, it's not like you need, like, reference quality audio here, right? Like, is there a um, – would you say, like, an MP3 is plenty good? <laughs> yeah. I I mean, that's basically CD quality. Okay. and that, And that's essentially the – Going much higher, you're probably just wasting storage space at that point. Right. And I think the other thing to think about is you don't want really long sound clips because, you know, think about how much stuff overlaps. And I think AMH kind of suffered from that because it's more storyline and you get a lot of overlap audio on that. Yeah. Then you're getting the audio quality. You have the audio version of what I was talking about with Star Wars where, like, things are stacking up on top of each other on the screen. Right. Um and that's something it seems like the custom pinball makers have gotten a lot better at um, recently. I do remember when the wave trigger was kind of new and it allowed that. You did have like multiple voice drops talking over each other. And I think that's the other point is uh, make the times where you use speech a time when maybe the ball stops or slows down. Exactly. Or, or it's not going to be hitting another speech type trigger for at least long enough for that speech to finish. Cause I think it's confusing. But. Yeah. Stuff like slings and spinners. You want something that's really short. Yep. So I've mentioned, I'm going to be doing Metroid. 
the sound I want in this the sling is the old classic 80s Metroid bomb sound when Samus drops a bomb. I think that would be perfect for a sling or a pop bumper sound. I have to decide. But um, what I what I was going to say is uh, when I get this started, I'm going to document it. Obviously, I put stuff up on our website, thepinballpodcast.com. But since it has a strong crossover with video games, I'm probably going to be posting the majority of it on my gaming website, uh, gamertheory.com. Um there are pinball articles that I put up there as well, so it kind of works. But uh, as I get things going, um, I'll put updates on our blog, but the deep dive stuff will be over on Gamer Theory. And uh, I'll, I'll make sure people know if they're interested to check it out. Um, obviously, I'll give updates on Pinside as well, because it seems like there's enough people interested in that stuff there that it's worth updating. But um on this i will be totally open to suggestions collaboration um especially on the art side um i'm having a hard time deciding exactly which era of metroid i want to zero in on the franchise is like 30 years old so um there's a lot of really good art that's hand drawn um going back to the 80s um i think the sweet spot's probably the early 90s unless i want to go with the modern look um I just don't want it to look like uh, the Metroid Prime series on the Wii and GameCube. There's a lot of fantastic uh, concept art out there, but all of the art of her in her suit, it's 3D modeled, but you know, it looks like it's 3D modeled from 2003 because that's when they made it. Right. So I'm having a hard time narrowing in on that. So if people have any suggestions or even want to help, I'd be happy to accept that, but... I don't know. Uh, Jessica, did you ever get into Metroid much at all? Um, I did. I haven't played like the newer stuff at all. I've seen pictures. A friend of mine wanted some pixel art done um, uh-huh. from some of the newer stuff. And I was like, how about the older stuff? <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah. That's the... Uh, I, I think... I've got to make that decision soon. I've, I've been playing with some art files and stuff, but um, I like the sounds. Like, the new stuff has fantastic music, has just really cool sound effects. But I think for pinball, the um, the older sounds probably are going to sound better. The Super Metroid or the original Metroid sound effects. So, uh, I think it would make most sense to also go that era with the art, but we'll see. Like, I'm excited to get going on it, but... Um, again, I'm very open to help and, um, I even had this crazy idea for a little while that, um, I would do a more modern game, but I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm going to use the Hollywood heat I have. I'm going to learn on this and then, uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, the goal is, and Don threw this challenge out to me live at pinball showdown. Thanks Don, uh, to have it ready to take out there next year. So I think I'm going to aim for that, uh, goals, baby. Nice. So. I like it. Anyway, um, Joe, I know there's a lot more that could be said about it, but is there anything that you want to mention about cost, uh, custom pinball? You mentioned pinball makers. Uh, is that a good starting point for anybody who'd be interested in kind of seeing what's involved or if maybe they have um, a desire to do their own machine? Is that where you'd send them first or what, what resources are out there to check out? Um, That's the main one I've, I've seen. I mean, there's a long thread that's going on that's <clears> – <throat> got some information i think it's uh something like what's the minimum uh parts to build a whitewood or something like that 
and that's kind of how that website started. But I mean, it's it's almost anything you could possibly imagine as far as doing custom pinball is on there. Okay. Yeah, I I got in there um, after you mentioned it, and it kind of blew me away at how mature the scene was. Um, when you think about custom pinball, you don't think that that many people would be involved in it, but it's a it's a growing community, and it's pretty exciting. I'm excited to get deeper into it. So anyway, um, yeah. So anything from either of you guys on any of that stuff? I I think I've kind of exhausted what I know about it, which is bad because I should know more, seeing how I'm going to do it. But <laughs> one I'll day I'll be uh, floundering as much as you are. <laughs> I am going to also, here, here's the goal number two, Jessica. Okay. It'll, if it happens and it comes out and I'm happy with it, I get it out to showdown. It's well received. I'll find a way to get it to one of the Northwest shows as well. So. All right. I like that. Okay. I'm glad you like that. <laughs> well, guys, um, I don't have much to go over. Uh, Joe, thanks for bringing it up. Actually, uh, it's worth saying the uh, spooky documentary is out now um, and it's on Vimeo. Is that right? Uh, yes. Okay. So the, it's called things that go bump in the night. Um, it's the spooky pinball story. And I was able to see it uh, in its rough cut version at Texas pinball festival. If, even if you're not a fan of spooky games um, or you don't know much about them, it's just a good, enjoyable feel-good documentary um like i said if you're not you don't have to like the spooky stuff to get into it it's hard to watch that and not come out like respecting what they've done and what they've built what they mean to their own community and and the pinball community as a whole so check that out it's it's really good it's it's very enjoyable um i want to rewatch it to see what they've changed since um tpf when they put an extra layer of polish on it but yeah, definitely take a look at that. I think it's what two or three dollars or something like that. Uh, I think it's four to rent, eight to own. Oh, four to rent. Okay. So yeah, check it out. Um, and they are Joel and Dana Reeves um, are very responsive to feedback and just talking about the project. So hit them up if you enjoyed it and let them know. And Tommy shows up in it. He does. Tommy from this flipping podcast is is in there. Um, so is uh, Nate Shivers and a few other pinball people. So yeah, check it out. Actually, uh, I show up in it in uh, the pinball life auction, which is pretty funny. I'm the one wearing the brown hat. Okay, so we got <laughs> we got Joe in there. Um, I was in wizard mode, the back of my head at one point uh, <laughs> when. Uh, Robert was at California Extreme. So, Jessica, have you been in any notable pinball movies? Man, I hope not. <laughs> That's the correct answer. Um, <laughs> Destroy all footage. You didn't want to be in Special One Lit because they made everyone look foolish. So, anyway. I do a good enough job of that on my own. <laughs> so do I. I had one so. of my, like, you know, those Facebook flashback whatevers. Uh, from the first time that I played 8-Ball Deluxe when it was at C-Bar. Yeah. Um, I do the Elaine dance from Seinfeld when I play pinball, and nothing exacerbates it more than playing 8-Ball Deluxe. 
So if you just get that image in your head, uh, also I am often reminded that my initials JLD are also Julia Louis-Dreyfus, thus I'm Elaine. Everyone loves Elaine, though. I hope you are as good a dancer. <laughs> I am as good a dancer as Elaine, yes. Okay. Well, we'll get that into a pinball movie here at some point. So, I, I, Guys, I am fresh out of stuff, but unless you guys have other things, stay tuned for Joe's Pinball Popcorn. Um, this is a good one, but uh, that'll take place after... Um, Hey, Jessica, do you want to do a live read on the Yay Pinball this time? <laughs> uh, I'm going to self-edit and not say the thing I was just about to say to you. All right. Well, then let's take it away. Uh, Joe, do you have anything else before uh, we wrap up? Uh, oh, I want to mention other things in pinball. So, um, yeah. a friend of mine has a really beat millionaire, and I guess the center puck on that roulette wheel is always missing. So I was actually able to help him out and uh, 3D print a new one. And uh, then there's this Facebook posting of a guy that has a Williams Fire out in Australia. He's like, yeah, I'm missing this uh, like triangular piece. And I went to my machine and modeled it up and sent it to him. He was able to 3D print it over in Australia. Wow. Sweet. That is awesome. Um, fire always seems to be the game where people are hunting for a part here and there. Am I the only one that seems to think that? Isn't there always a... Yeah, there's always something. <laughs> okay. So I wasn't sure if it was just me or not, but it seemed like there's always something, yeah. Um, so. Speaking about working on things, um, everyone check out Rob Wintler-Cox has been working on My Evil Knievel, yeah, getting yeah, yeah. it ready for Pinberg and Replay, and I'm so excited to see it and just, again, cannot express how grateful and happy I am for all of the time and care and work that he's put into it. And I'm excited to finally get to meet him in person and kind of, you know, check everything out, but he's been posting some great photo updates. Um, I know that we've shared it to our Facebook page as well. So, um, take a look. And I think that's a, oh, while we were recording, um, I got a notification. My friend found a Craigslist ad for a Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Someone in Eugene, Oregon posted it basically outlining like, these are the things that don't work. I really don't know why they don't work. They should work. If no one buys it from me at this price, I am going to take a chainsaw to it. Oh yeah. So that was kind of a weird, weird end to a Craigslist post. It was like a, unexpected twist at the end like price is firm if you don't do this i'm going to film myself uh slicing and dicing it into a million pieces okay well then they you know at that point just give it away but um that's not usually the type of game that elicits like the oh no we gotta save it um <laughs> response it's it's fun to play on location or whatever but i've I mean, never played one yeah if it was like um you know, who, who knows? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> see? Exactly like that. Thank you for filling my awkward silence. Um, <laughs> there was just some, like, crazy, super desirable game, and the guy's like, I am literally going to destroy it. Yeah, you might have people out there stepping <laughs> up, but I don't know so much about a Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. But Yeah. All, All right, right, guys. I am... Uh, 
going to wrap this up. Thanks, Joe, for coming on. That was that was awesome. Um, I'll Thanks, Joe. Actually, sure. Yeah, I'll work on links to, to a lot of the stuff that we mentioned there. Um, In and, the show uh, notes that no one reads. And the show notes that no one reads. It actually does go through the feed. So a lot of podcast read, uh, podcatchers, whatever they call them, um, they do provide clickable links in nice. the show notes if you could access those. But if not, check us out at, well, I don't need to say it because here we go. Thanks for listening to the show. You can email the pinball podcast at pinballpodcast at gmail.com. Find us online at the pinballpodcast.com on Facebook, on Instagram, or on Snapchat. Check the show notes on our website to see how to support our sponsors and friends of the show. And AOL baby driver fan. Yay, pinball. <laughs> that's weird. You said both those things at the same time. <laughs> at the same time. It's almost like that's not me saying the thing. All right. Uh, bye, guys. Almost. Thank you. All right. See ya. See ya. And now, time for pinball popcorn. Bimbo Club. Like so many others, I had become a slave to the latest Stern licensed pinball machine. Uh, yes, I'd like to order the ACDC Back in Black Edition. If I saw something clever, like a topper that went with the machine, I had to have it. I'd flip through pin side and wonder what kind of pinball defines me as a person. I had it all. Every stern pinball they ever released. Please hold. I was holding. We used to read pornography. Now it was the pin game journal. On a long enough timeline, the survival rate for everyone dropped to zero. I was a recall coordinator. My job was to apply the formula. A new pinball built by my company leaves. One of the coils locks up and catches fire. Might make a good anti-smoking ad. The burning pinball sets the rest of the house on fire. With everyone trapped inside. Now, should we initiate a recall? Take the number of pinballs in the field, A, multiply it by the probable rate of failure, B, then multiply the result by the average out-of-court settlement, C, A times B times C equals X. If X is less than the cost of a recall, we don't do one. Are there a lot of these kinds of accidents? You wouldn't believe. Which company do you work for? A major one. Home was a condo on the 15th floor of a filing cabinet for widows and young professionals. The walls were solid concrete. A foot of concrete's important when your next door neighbor lets her hearing aid go and has to watch game shows at full volume. Or when a volcanic blast of debris that used to be your furniture and pinball machines blows out of your floor to ceiling windows and sails flaming into the night. I suppose these things happen. How embarrassing. A two-gallon jug of Novus. Clearly, I spent all my time waxing playfields. The police would later tell me that the pilot light might have gone out, letting out just a little bit of gas. That gas could have slowly filled the condo, 1,700 square feet with high ceilings for days and days. Then the refrigerator's compressor could have clicked on. It's just when you buy pinball, tell yourself that's it. Whatever else happens, 
got that pinball. Problem handled. I had it all. I had Monster Bash. That was very decent. A collection. It was getting very respectable. I was close to being complete. Man, now it's all gone. All gone. Mm. All gone. You know what a duvet is? Comfort. It's a blanket. Just a blanket. Now, why do guys like you and I know what a duvet is? Is this essential to our survival? In the hunter-gatherer sense of the word? No. What are we then? Consumers. Right. We are consumers. We are byproducts of a lifestyle obsession. Murder, crime, poverty, these things don't concern me. What concerns me are celebrity magazines, television with 500 channels, some guy's name on my underwear, Rogaine, Viagra, Lester, Martha Stewart. F Martha Stewart. Arthur's polishing the brass on the Titanic. It's all going down, man. So I say never be complete. I say stop being perfect. I say let, let's evolve. Let the chips fall where they may. And I could be wrong. Maybe it's a terrible tragedy. Uh, it's just, it's just stuff. It's not tragedy. Well, you did lose a lot of versatile solutions for modern living. Oh, my, my insurance is probably gonna cover it. So, what? The things you own end up owning you. But do what you like, man. I don't know how Tyler found that house, but he said he'd been there for a year. It looked like it was waiting to be torn down. Most of the windows were boarded up. There was no lock on the front door from when the police or whoever kicked it in. Stairs were ready to collapse. I didn't know if he owned it or if he was squatting. Neither would have surprised me. That's you. That's me. That's toilet. There's the game room. Yeah, what a shithole. Nothing worked. Turning one pimple on meant another one turned off. There were no neighbors, just some warehouses and a paper mill. Every time it rained, we had to kill the power. By the end of the first month, I didn't miss TV. Rain trickled down through the plaster and the light fixtures. Everything wouldn't swelled and shrank. Especially the pinball cabinets. Everywhere were rusted nails where they popped out from the side rails to snag your elbow on. But every Saturday night, we were finding something out. We were finding out more and more that we were not alone. Monday mornings, all I could do was think about next week. It was right in everyone's face. Tyler and I just made it visible. It was on the tip of everyone's tongue. Tyler and I just gave it a name. Every week, Tyler gave the rules that he and I decided. The first rule of Pinball Club is you don't talk about Pinball Club. The second rule of Pinball Club, you don't talk about Pinball Club. Third rule of Pinball Club, you do a range tilt after you lose your ball, you're out of the club. Fourth rule. Only two guys to a machine. Fifth rule. One game at a time. Put some clothes on. Seventh rule. Pinball matches. Will go on as long as they have to. And the eighth and final rule. If this is your first night at Pinball Club, you have to play. If you could play pinball against any celebrity, would you play? Live today. Doesn't matter, it'd be tough. Hemingway. 
You? Shatner. I play William Shatner. We all started seeing things differently. Everywhere we went, we were sizing things up. He was wearing his yellow tie. I didn't even wear a tie to work anymore. The first rule of Penmal Club is you don't talk about Penmal Club. I'm half asleep again. I must have left the original in the copy machine. The second rule of Penmal is this yours? Huh? Pretend you're me. Make a managerial decision. You find this. What would you do? Well, I gotta tell you, I'd be very, very careful who you talk to about that because the person who wrote that is dangerous. And this button-down Oxford cloth psycho might just snap and then stalk from office to office. This might be someone you've known for years. Someone very, very close to you. And I used to be such a nice guy. Well, maybe you just shouldn't bring me every little piece of trash you happen to pick up. Compliance and liability. Look around, I look around. I see a lot of new faces. <laughs> Shut up! Which means a lot of you have been breaking the first two rules of pinball. God damn it, an entire generation pumping gas, waiting tables, slaves with white collars, advertising has us chasing cars and clothes, working jobs we hate so we can buy shit we don't need. We're the middle children of history, man. No purpose or place. We have no great war. Our great war is a spiritual war. Our great depression. Our lives. We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. We're very, very pissed off. Yeah. We need to talk. Okay. Where to begin? With your constant absenteeism? With your unpresentable appearance, you're up for a review. Let's pretend. You're the- UL, Underwriters Laboratory. Okay. Someone informs you that this company installs- MOSFETs. That never pass tests. What then? Are you threatening me? No. Get the fuck out of here, you're fired. I have a better solution. You keep me on the payroll as an outside consultant. And in exchange for my salary, my job will be never to tell people these things that I know. I don't even have to come into the office. I can do this job from home. Who, who the fuck do you think you are, you crazy little shit? Security? Oh. Oh. What the hell are you doing? is destroyed why would you do that oh my god no please stop what are you doing oh god no please no under and behind and inside everything this man took for granted something horrible had been growing now look Give me the paychecks, like I asked, and you won't ever see me again. And right then, at our most excellent moment together. Oh, 
thank God. Please don't hit me again. Please. Telephone, computer, fax machine, 52 weekly paychecks, and 48 airline flight coupons. We now had corporate sponsorship. This is how Tyler and I were able to have pinball club every night of the week. Pinball club up in Delaware City. Yeah, I heard. There's one in Penn's Grove too. Bob even found one up in Newcastle. Yeah, did you start that one? No, I thought you did. Nah.